Welcome to the Hey Chaplain podcast. My name is Jared Altick, and I'm a chaplain with the police department. Hey Chaplain is an officer wellness podcast produced for cops and covers topics like your career, your wellness, and law enforcement culture. On Hey Chaplain, you'll hear from dispatchers and federal agents, sheriffs, and U.S. Marshals, as well as the occasional retired cop who's moved on into a fascinating second career. From the LAPD to Scotland Yard, the guests on Hey Chaplain share their hard-earned wisdom so that police officers everywhere can survive and thrive. Today, I'm checking off another item from my podcast bucket list by interviewing a canine handler. My guest today is Ryan Sumner from the Lenexa, Kansas Police Department, and he has been a canine handler for most of his 20-year career as a cop, finding drugs, tracking and apprehending bad guys, as well as training other handlers and their dogs. Ryan came highly recommended as a subject expert here in the Kansas City area, and I had a great conversation with him, which I'm going to split into two parts. This first half will cover how he got started and the pros and cons of canine work that you need to know before you commit to this career track. Here's Ryan Sumner. Hello, Ryan. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm glad you're here today. I've been wanting this interview for a long time, and I'm really excited that you were able to come in today and, and help me out. Tell me, how did you first get started as a canine handler? So I joined Lenexa Police Department about 19 years ago, almost 20 now, mm-hmm. and really just watching the canine handlers, I had no idea what I wanted to do in law enforcement. I just knew I wanted to be a police officer, right? And... Um, you know, I watch people in interviews say, I want to be a detective. I want to be a canine handler. I just wanted to be a police officer. But once I got involved and I'm lucky because Lenexa has a number of different avenues you can take canine being one of them Uh and went out to canine training as my new officer training, saw what the dogs could do, saw what the handlers could do. Then I got out on the street and I got a chance to see what they're capable of. And I was just amazed by the whole thing. So I approached now my patrol commander, Major Schmitz, and asked, do you mind if I come out and decoy? And decoy meaning put the bite suit on, go hide for the dogs, take bites from the dogs, you know, set drugs out, that kind <laughs> of stuff. You volunteered to get bit. I volunteered. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, I haven't done it in a while, but I still love it. I've That's one of the aspects that I've really loved is putting the bite suit on. You, you learn a dog better wearing the bite suit sometimes then you do handle the dog really uh, yeah it's 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 so important i love guys that have decoyed put the bite suit on and kind of earn their stripes hmm. but they've also learned the dogs in turn doing that yeah. um, putting okay. the bite suit on hiding from the dog listening and watching the handlers work i mean it's a great way to get into it so doing all of that i probably decoyed for about two and a half years okay. and a canine spot opened up and i jumped right on it i was 100% focused on being a canine handler. I had passed on other things mm. and just That's tough. Yeah. It is, it is, but I was, I was focused on it. That's what I wanted. That's the only thing I wanted to do. And as soon as it opened, I put in for it and I got the position. I was big into narcotics as a police officer and arresting mm-hmm. people for narcotics. So I used the dogs a lot for mm. the narcotics aspect. And honestly, that's what I thought was going to be my favorite part was the narcotics portion. Like if I had a dog, Imagine what kind of drugs I could find, you right, know, the right. stuff that I'm missing. Um, it would just make that part of my game so much better. 
Then I got the dog and started searching for bad people and went, oh, forget narcotics. This <laughs> finding the bad guy stuff is where the adrenaline is. And you make a huge difference. I mean, if I miss drugs, somebody gets high. If I miss a person, somebody could get hurt or worse, obviously. So I think finding bad people that are committing violent crimes with these dogs and neighborhoods and stuff like that is is a great way to protect the public. What were your dog's names? My first dog was Diesel, my second dog was Ram, and my third dog was Leo. You have kids? I do. And what was the equation there at home? Because a lot of canine officers take their dogs home. So what did that mean for your family to be like, okay, now I'm going to be a canine handler? Uh, for sure. That's something that I talked about previously before even getting a dog. I, th- I think that communication with my wife is important, especially with this job. Um, you know, so telling her that, hey, this is what I want. She was on board from the get go. Uh, she didn't ever question it or anything like that. But I'm also very honest. You know, I, I tell people like, hey, let's have some thick skin here because these are the cons of being in canine. You know, there are some of those. Um, But these are also the pros. But the family has to deal with it, too, because you're taking the dog home every day. The barking. Mm -hmm. The neighbors got to deal with it. (laughs) You know, I got to go talk to the neighbors and let them know, hey, there might be some barking, but I'll try to keep it at a minimum. If I hear them barking too much, I'll bring them inside. You know, that kind of stuff. So there are people, especially the wife, uh, that I have to notify of how it's going to be and just be honest with them about it. What's the difference between getting a family dog and bringing home a canine? What are the differences there? Well, the big difference is typically in our area, in the Kansas City metro area, we work dual purpose police dogs. So one aspect of it is criminal apprehension. And part of that criminal apprehension is biting. Okay. Um, The other aspect of it, the second part of the dual purpose is some kind of detection, whether that's narcotics or explosives. So uh, the, I mean, the obvious is the dog bites, right? I would say today we're getting younger dogs than we did when I started now almost 16, 17 years ago. And with the younger dogs, you're getting more of a friendly dog to start off with. Uh, Where before, sometimes we were getting junkyard dogs that uh, they were good dogs. They just, they were older, they were more mature, um, and they came with a little bit more aggression sometimes. Mm. Okay. Okay. So when you bring a canine into your home, what changes at home? What, what, can't be in your home, what activities or items or or attitudes can't happen inside a police officer's home if you have a canine? So I will say for most dog handlers, the dogs aren't living in the house. Um, They're not running around like your pet. Uh, For example, Lenexa, we all get 12 foot by 12 foot concrete pads, chain link kennels. They have roofs on the top. They have insulated dog houses. They have a really nice home out in the backyard. If it gets, I'm more worried about the heat. Hmm. So if it gets too hot, I'll bring them in. You know, it's, I'd say anywhere around 90 degrees, I'm bringing them in the house and they got an air crate inside. He's not just running loose right. in the house. So he's, he's in some sort of kennel. Yeah. And, and inside or outside. Yeah. And a lot of these dogs for a year, two years, depending on how old they are, they've, some of them have never been in a house. Mm. So they're not potty trained, right. house broken. Right. You know, their their manners inside your house are, are not good. Um, <laughs> most of the, most of these dogs. Uh, yeah. I there's I do know some handlers that will let their dog run around the house. You know, that's not everybody. Um, but I would say the majority of us, you know, put the dog in the backyard. Um, right. and it's it's a live. working dog like a like a honey dog. Yeah, it's absolutely okay. a tool for our job. Right. They're they're what they're treated well. 
I don't want people to think like, hey, we put them in the backyard and forget about them. These dogs are with us eight, 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's too many people at home that could say they spend 10 straight hours with their dog a day. (laughs) That's true. You know, I have my personal pets and I don't spend that much time with them. But the police dog, he's with us all night long. You know, he goes on calls with us. We throw the ball for him several times. I mean, if they get out to use the bathroom, most likely every handler's throwing a ball, doing some obedience, exercising them, having fun, loving on them, that kind of thing. So these dogs get lots of positive attention. Even if it's a dog that's not raised in the inside the home, they get plenty of attention. For me, even if I'm barbecuing in the backyard, I let him out and he runs around while okay. I'm barbecuing. And the okay. kids can be back there. Okay. Uh, you know, they're raised with your kids. So okay. if you do have kids, so they're typically friendly with the kids, the wife. They may not stuff. be friendly with others, but, but they're, yeah. Because not every canine is a dog you can take to the to the school and let all the first graders touch, right? Correct. Yeah, I've, I've had three police dogs, a Dutch Shepherd a, and two Belgian Malinois. And my first one was not friendly. Mm. Um, he was friendly with my family, you know, but they were around him all the time. For eight months, they'd go out to the kennel and feed him milk bones, milk bones, milk bones, and then around him and muzzle. And then after that, I never had a problem with the dog, even close to growling at my kids or growling at my wife. But I mean, he growled at cops and, you know, <laughs> I'll leave, I'll leave it that, leave that story there. But yeah. uh, I knew he wasn't friendly, but he was friendly at home. I kept a close eye on him. And then my other two police dogs. I could honestly probably release them in an elementary school and leave them for the day, and nobody would be bit. And they bit multiple bad guys. Yeah, but they were super friendly. Right, even right after biting a bad guy, you could come up and pet him, and, <laughs> and, and he was completely fine. Yeah, so so it depended on the dog. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like I said, today I, I think we're seeing more friendly dogs than we did in the past. Okay, let's move to the dog at work. I was on a ride along years ago. My first experience with canine. And it seemed like every call the officer and I were dispatched to, the canine officer was also, uh, the handler was was also dispatched to it. And so call after call all day long, we kept going out with this with this canine handler. And every call, he's out there by himself and the dog is in the vehicle. And he had one of those remotes where he could open the door remotely. And I didn't, well, I was not aware of this before. And <laughs> the officer I was riding with knew what was going on. He's like, listen. Just stick with me and do not get between the canine handler and his car because if he hits that remote and that dog comes shooting out there like a missile, uh, <laughs> you don't want to be in between. And I'm like, yes, sir. I, <laughs> the chaplain can stay out of the way. Yeah, right. It, you know, it's like, for example, you know, we deploy the dogs for certain things. They're going to be violent crimes. You know, we're not getting the dogs out for people that stole a gallon of milk or something like right. that. These are right. people that have committed a robbery, you know. Um, some kind of armed type dispatched call, yeah. burglaries, stolen yep. cars. You know, they're going to yep. be, these are people that are, have dangerous histories and are mm-hmm. dangerous to us and others. And that's, that's important to remember is that we're not just getting it out to bite any Anybody, old person, right? right? Yeah. You know, they I actually to, never saw the dog that day. Oh, really? It was always in the car. It never came out the whole time. Yeah. And we were on probably three or four calls together. But yeah. we all do have a door popper. We call it hot and pop. It's okay. it's through a company called Ace Canine. And um, it controls temperature control in the car. But we can hit that and the passenger door opens up and the dog comes out. But the way we train them is not to come out and want to bite somebody right away. Okay. We When we first start training them, we train them to come out and find us. Okay. So they come out looking for us, and then when they'd come find us, we'd give them a toy. So we make it kind of a non-aggression thing. If we get in a fight in front of our patrol car and hit that button, 
we already know they're going to come out and bite somebody, you know, <laughs> but we don't train them to do that. We train right. them to just come find us, you know, and that, yeah. and that's the goal. And then if, if something's bad's happening, then obviously they'll, they'll react to it. They're already trained to do that. Would you have to give the commander with the dog understand someone's wrestling with my human? No, you wouldn't have to get that dog would be that dog would the bite. dog would know. Yeah, he okay. would 100 percent. Yeah, go right into action. OK, so you have a special car. It's got a special setup. It can pop the door that's designed to be climate controlled, you know, the whole time. Uh, in fact, I just recently saw a canine car that had written on the side. If the horn honks, call 911 or something like that, like like the climate control system has failed or something like that. Is that typical? Yeah. Yeah. So we use, like like us, we use Ace Canine. Um, it's a company out in Florida. A lot of police departments around here use them, and um, it's got dual temperature controls. So when you have your AC on, it reads the driver's side and the passenger side, and then it gives you the middle average of it. And you can set it to whatever you want. I think a lot of them are set around 80 degrees, okay, 82 degrees. So if it gets above 82 degrees, it rolls down the back windows. If you have a fan system like uh, Lenexa does, the fan kicks on to give them some air, and okay. the sirens and lights go off. It's not just a horn. Okay. It's okay. full-on like yeah. police sirens. Yeah. And We're not going to let that dog. Correct. Yeah, Ours doesn't yeah. say 911. I think if it went off and it's just sitting there, a canine car, somebody's going to call 911, but you're going right. to hear it. Right. Now they have, and our cars and Lenexa have it, so if it goes off, it immediately calls you on your phone and shoots you a text message, plus two other people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, if it's yeah. like one of my handlers, his is messed up right now, and it messages me every night when he shuts his car <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, so I get a text message saying that his car temperatures went up or right, right. he shut his car off. And now they, you know, there's been... There's been issues around the country where dogs have been left in cars and they've died because of heat. So um, if you get home and you don't open that back door, it'll set the alarm off after a certain time and it'll notify you remove canine from car because some of these guys get home after you know 20 hours of work. Yeah. And they just walk in the house and forget about the dog. Oh, so no. now it warns you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, happen. it's happened. Yeah. I don't know myself how it happens, but right. I know right. that I know that it's happened. Right. Now, what's it like being in a car with a dog for hours and hours on end? Uh, how is that different? Well, some people ride two-man cars in some agencies, so maybe it's maybe there's some similarities here. I'm not sure as far as smells and and uh, cleanliness and whatever. <laughs> but uh, but what's it like riding with a with a four-legged partner? I loved it. I mean, you know, one of the hardest things I did was get out of canine. I mean, I spent pretty much more the majority of my career within canine so it was hard when i got out of canine and that dog wasn't there mm. you create like this pattern um especially when you're in canine for a long time so just like you do with your personal dog you probably talk to them at home even though they can't talk back <laughs> right you do that a lot in your car with with your with your partner i mean you spend you know at least let's say five or six years if you decide just to work one dog mm -hmm. you know with that dog every day every day at home every day in your car He's going to be truly man's best friend. Yeah. He's going to be your best friend. Um, he's going to be your partner, your best friend. He's going to be your dog, your domestic dog at home somewhat. I mean, yeah. you're just with him all the time. You know, the smells, I kept my canine car pretty clean. So right. I don't, I've been in some patrol cars that smell way worse than my right. canine car. Well, it's different too because it's, it's specifically a take-home car. 
It is. You so, take you take good care of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but you, you don't know have to you share gotta, it with other officers. No, yeah. and you have an eighty pound dog in the back, so you want to keep it clean. Otherwise, <laughs> you're going to smell a dog all the time. You keep the dog hair to a minimum, right? So it's not right. blowing around in the car. So yeah. <laughs> Did you always have dog hair on your uniform? Oh boy, yeah. That's just <laughs> if you don't like dog hair on your clothes, don't get in a canine. Stay right. away from. Stay away right. from this. Well, yeah, it seems to me that that because I've ridden with several officers who the conversation inevitably goes to what they want to do in their career, and they say, "Boy, I want to, I want to be a canine handler." And sometimes I suspect that it's because they like dogs more than they like people, which is not uncommon. I don't blame them. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but but what are they maybe not anticipating? If I mean, I, I feel like everything you're saying is a fantastic pitch to become a canine handler. But but what maybe are some officers not understanding about the process of getting into it or the actual day to day? What do they what do they not know? The important thing to do when an officer's coming to you and saying, "Hey, I want to be in canine," um, is not to sugarcoat it and not just give the pros of there is a lot of pros. Yeah, um, but there are some cons, and it's important to go over the cons so you don't get an officer that gets in the canine and then a year down the road goes. this is not what I thought it was. You know, now you have this dog that spent a whole year with him and he gets out of canine. Now you got to transfer this dog to somebody else. And that's just not right. Right. Um, So I always go over the pros and cons, the pros for me. And I'm biased because I was a canine handler for 15 years. And, but I've talked to a lot of other canine handlers around the country. I'm the regional director for national police canine. So I come into contact with a lot of, a lot of canines and a lot of canine handlers. So the pros are, it is one of the better jobs that you're ever going to do. You like adrenaline. You like going to those hot calls, those more dangerous calls. Canines where it's at. You're going to go yeah. to all of those calls. Yeah. Every time um, there's a fugitive or a, or somebody violent. You're going to yeah. be there. Yeah. If it's a connected agency, it doesn't have a canine. You're going to go service their mm-hmm. department as well and help them with the dog. So you're going to get a lot of that. Uh, you get to do something that very few law enforcement officers ever get to do. Yeah. Um, because you may use Kansas City, Kansas only has one dog and how many officers? Yeah. You know, and yeah. he's probably going to be in that position for a while. Yeah. So they may not get a chance, even if they want to be so in only canine. like a one in 350 50 chance of right. being that canine officer. And then six yeah. years down the road, they become a detective. And then that goes to the wayside of being a canine handler and they stick to being mm. a detective. So, um, that is a con. That yeah, you may yeah, not if, you're, get a if you're wanting to wait for that opening, you're going to have to turn down other stuff, and that's that's a tough thing to do. You're turning down money, you're turning down advancement. Absolutely, that, that may not even be smart to do that. But if you if you think that opening's going to be there, I mean that's that's tough. And and if you're in a union shop, I mean it's all going to be seniority, and you may not be the top person to get to choose. So, yeah. Right. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example on seniority. I was a corporal for 10 years before I promoted a sergeant. The only reason I didn't take that next step, and I think I probably would have had a chance long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't take that next step because I didn't want to get out of canine. And I realized promoting to the next level, typically you would get rid of your dog um, mm-hmm. and and move on to patrol first, and then you can move up to right. different units. So, right. Um, I did not want to promote just because I wanted to keep a dog and I wasn't done being a canine handler. Now, some of the cons, uh, you know, I think that's why I think it's important to talk about the cons. So you're taking your job home with you every day. Mm. You know, if you're married, you have a significant other, 
you need to have those conversations with them, those yeah. honest conversations with them. Yeah, one way to be healthy as a cop is to compartmentalize, change out of your uniform and and separate work from home. That can't, doesn't happen. Can't do that. No. Yeah. No, so you have to be honest with them because they're a big part of your life too. And you're taking the dog home. You're going to deal with barking. You're going to have to go take care of the dog out in the backyard. So you're going to have to get up and go in the backyard and take care of the dog several times. Or if the dog's inside, you're going to have to manage the dog inside as well. And your wife, your what your significant other has to know about that, right? Because mm-hmm. also you don't want to get in the canine a year down the road go, she says, hey, this isn't for us. Like, this is too much. You're doing yeah. this. You have a lot of canine demonstrations. Um, mm. And they're almost always when you're not working. <laughs> yeah, I wish I wish they were during my schedule, but most canine handlers work nights, and the canine demonstrations are going to be there in the day. You yeah. got school sniffs. Yeah, typically those are doing those. Actually, not typically, always those are during the day. Right. So you're going to have to go do those. Um, you have callouts. You're subject to call out. You know, our unit Lunex is pretty small, but we could be. There was one year we got called out sixty times. Mm. So. And you could be the handler that's on call that gets called out thirty of those sixty times, right, which right, just that, just on bad luck, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> or good luck, but how you view it. But yeah. if you're talking about like the family dynamics, and hey, you're promising your family, hey, I'll be there, you can't really promise that if you're on call. No, and so yeah. no, I've been walking out to my. I literally, I'll give you a story. I was walking out to my truck with the family. We had movie tickets. We we're going to go see a movie, and back then it was a pager. My pager goes off, um, date myself a beeper, you know, the beeper goes off and I look at it and I get a call out. I call them. They had a subject run that threw stuff down and they can't find it and they need a dog. I sent my family to the movies. I got my canine vehicle, loaded up the dog and, and, and headed to the call out. Now, like I said, those are the cons, but there are a lot of pros to it. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that you're going to get to handle a dog that finds bad guys, that keeps your citizens safe, that finds narcotics, or even better, finds explosives hmm. that really keep people safe. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. the Kansas City, Missouri dogs, they have tons of detection, explosive detection dogs. And those are the dogs that go to the stadiums yeah. that you take your family to. And yeah. they go there before you get there and they sweep that entire facility to make sure that there's nothing hid hmm. so that we can keep our families safe. So. You know, there's a lot of pros and a lot of a lot of pride that goes into it. What kind of officer is just not going to make it as a canine handler? Yeah, I hate to talk about like lazy people, but wherever you go, you're going to have lazy people. Somebody that's lazy is not going to make the cut. If you're not ready to be dedicated to this position and you have a you have a little bit of lazy in you. Yeah. Uh, lazy bone, it's it's not going to work because you have to be busy. And when people aren't calling you to work your dog, you got to go out and find work yourself. Yeah, you know you have to be busy. If you're in a bigger department, typically you're getting a lot of calls. But if you're in a department like Lenexa, which we're not real small, you know we have hundred officers, but there are times where we don't have any calls, and you have to go out and start stopping cars and you know getting your dog out and searching for drugs and and yeah. finding it yourself so you can get that dog work and keep him active and the dog needs you even when it's not on your schedule uh, i mean your day off the dog still needs you always and, and so if you're one of those people it's like hey i need my own personal space and you can't find the maybe the discipline to let go of that you're probably not going to make a good canine handler 
No, that dog relies on you. I mean, yeah. you're everything to him. You feed him. You let him out to use the bathroom. You know, you wash him. You, all that stuff is he. You he relies on you. My hope is that this week, all across the country, young police officers will be volunteering to wear the canine bite suit. Your department may not have an opening for a canine handler right now, but volunteering to help shows initiative and interest and, hey, it can't hurt. Actually, I guess it can't hurt. It could probably hurt horribly. But even that would show your supervisors that you're serious about your future career, and they might notice you, whether that leads to a canine handling position or to something else. And don't miss part two of this interview. Ryan tells several canine stories that you're going to want to hear, and he talks about how and why a department needs to get a canine program started. On the next episode of Hey Chaplain. I turn around, I come back, pulls real hard, pulls real hard, and loses it. Loses the odor of the human. So I go back to where he finds the odor the most strong, and I start giving some announcements. I don't hear anything. And when I get to that spot, now he pulls me down this embankment into the woods. And it's steep. Like, I'm having to do everything I can to stay on my feet as he's yanking me down. I get on the radio. I tell everybody, hey, I'm getting a lot of human odor in this area. But I'm also trying to be really careful because of the children. There could be children walking to school. Maybe there's kids messing around in the woods. Something, right? So I have to keep him on kind of a short leash and just be real careful. I get down. Now he tries to pull me into an embankment. It's a concrete culvert that goes under 87th Street. So um, as I'm coming around the corner, he's trying to pull me down. Mind you, that this drop off into this culvert is pure ice because it's negative 14 degrees. And there's a little stream of water all the way to the left. And that's the only moving water in the whole, uh, the whole culvert. I see him laying down there uh, face down in the water, does not look like he's breathing. If you have stories, wisdom, and encouragement you'd like to share, please reach out to me. Specifically, if you know someone in law enforcement who is especially good at telling stories or has a particularly poignant story to tell, recommend them to me and maybe we can work something out. My email is in the show notes, and you can always find Hey Chaplin on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The views expressed here are the personal views of the host and our guest and do not necessarily represent the views of any law enforcement agency or its components. If you like this episode, please share it with a cop or someone who loves a cop. Thank you for listening to Hey Chaplin, and as always, pray for peace in our city.